Friends, you know that we just started a a sermon series on union with Christ, this big, beautiful idea, union with Christ, looking primarily through the author Paul in the New Testament to understand what are the privileges, joys, benefits, responsibilities of a believer who has come to faith and been knit to Jesus, me and Jesus, Jesus and me, what does that relationship look like and what does it entail? So for five weeks, we're just going to take a different section of union with Christ. And last week, we talked about blessings that are found in Christ. This week, we find ourselves in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 to understand what does it mean that we participate with Jesus in his suffering, dying, rising, and ascending. So I'm going to read for us from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase in thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day for this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that by your word and with your spirit, we can take a good, long look at things we can't see that are eternal in our union with Jesus. We ask in his name, amen. Well, friends, we're talking about union with Christ and we need to talk about fine print. All of us are wary in this age about fine print. If you're going to make a contract or an agreement with something, someone, there's something called the fine print that if someone's trying to get something over on you, they're not going to put it in the regular contract. They're going to put it in a footnote or hide it somewhere. And you've got to be wary and you've got to be aware and you've got to look and see what is this person trying to communicate to me. I love watching uh, medical commercials. I don't know why, but you know, you have this medicine and it's described and for a minute it will answer all the problems you've ever had. And then at the end of the commercial, it's the fine print. It's that guy talking in like super fast voice. And he says, well, this medication may all also cause bleeding and bloating and death and woe. And it's like, did he say woe? Like this, this sounds worse than the disease itself. So we're, we're in tune to that, right, church? We're not going to get one over on us. We're, we're ready for the fine print. But what's so interesting to me, and I think we would all agree, as you read through the Gospels, you read through Jesus's ministry, There was no fine print. He was overt, he was open, he shared widely and broadly precisely 
the hard terms of being joined to himself. In fact, he was so effective at not having any fine print that he regularly drove people away for his honesty. You read the Gospels, and there go the Pharisees, and there go the Sadducees, and there goes the rich young ruler, and there goes the temple guards, and there goes the so-called disciples, and there goes his biological family, and, and there goes Judas walking away. Jesus performed a Scottish revival He took a church of 5,000 that he fed with bread and fish and he grew it to 120 in the upper room. That's how much Jesus was overtly saying, this is a relationship with me because he regularly said things like, if anyone would come after me, let him take up his cross and deny himself daily and follow me. I can't think of a quicker way to clear a room than to tell people that this will be a cross-carrying faith. Christianity is co-crucifixion with Jesus. Our union with Christ, however else we talk about it, it must have a cross in it. Now, theologians talk about this facet of union with Christ as participation. That's our word for this week. Last week, it was blessing, the blessings we have in Christ. This week, it is participation, that we join Jesus in his suffering and death. And even as we talk about it this morning, I want us to be aware of tenses, because this could be a little bit confusing. The Bible talks about us as, in the past tense, we have died, and in the present tense, we are dying, and in the past tense, we have died been resurrected, and in the present tense, we are being resurrected. It regularly goes back between the tenses, so so be aware of that as we talk about dying and rising with Christ. So point number one, in union with Christ, I have and I am suffering and dying with Jesus. In my union with Christ, I have and I am suffering and dying with Jesus. To be joined to Jesus is not just to be joined to all the things I want to be joined to, the happy things that I want from Jesus. It is to join the totality of Jesus, even in his suffering and cruciform death. Now, after Paul lists all the ways that he has suffered, he delivers a sobering line in verse 10 that has haunted me all week. He says, church, we are carrying in the body the death of Jesus. Have you meditated on that? We are carrying in our bodies the death of Jesus. He goes on in verse 11. We are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Verse 12, death is at work in us. Two words that I don't like to hear together, always and death, are regularly being used here to describe what it looks like to follow Jesus. Now, wait a minute. I thought union with Christ meant life. I thought it meant eternal life. I thought it meant abundant life. I thought it meant everlasting and fruitful life. What's all this talk about death? Well, there is life, and there is life to come, and we're going to get to that, but you can't get to resurrection in the Christian life unless you go through the front door of cruciform death in Christ. The Bible describes conversion as crucifixion. 
I have been crucified with Christ, Galatians 2. Our old self was crucified with him, Romans 6. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, Galatians 5, and so on. These are past tense crucifixions. I was crucified. I've got back up from the grave as a new resurrected person in Christ. But then the Bible also talks about it as present tense suffering and dying, like our passage today, or like Philippians 3, that I may share in his sufferings and become like him in his death. I did die, and I am suffering and dying. My suffering and dying in Jesus will happen to me as I submit to his lordship in obedience and the great commission. I will suffer. It will feel like a crucifixion as I submit to Jesus in obedience and in the great commission. There's a world to unpack here, but once you begin to see that this will be a cruciform life, that there's no Christian life without a cross, once, once our eyes are open to that, we see it everywhere. It's everywhere in the Bible, and it's everywhere in the Apostle Paul. Let me just read some lines from Paul, which will sound different now that we know my union with Jesus is union with his cross. Listen to some of these. I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. We share abundantly in Christ's suffering. I die every day. I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I endure everything for the sake of the elect. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, they will be persecuted. I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of the body. We are fools for Christ's sake. Like men sentenced to death, like the scum of the world, and the refuse of all things. Wow. That is part of the Christian life. I wanted to rush us to participation on week two because week one we talked about the blessings that are ours in Christ. There is no good thing that we need or want or desire that isn't already ours by God, through Christ, in our possession. We have all of it. Every spiritual blessing is ours. But if we began to think that this life in Christ is only blessing and only goodness and only that protective care, then when we did suffer, we couldn't help but think something is wrong, something is broken in my union with Christ. Otherwise, this wouldn't hurt so much. Otherwise, I wouldn't be suffering this. Otherwise, I wouldn't experience this loss or this sickness or this death. Something must be wrong. And so we rush to this point to say, suffering is not wrong. Suffering is part and parcel of union with Jesus. To be united to Jesus is to suffer, is to become like him in his death. Church, that's going to happen when we obey, and it's going to happen when we fulfill the Great Commission. Obedience feels like a crucifixion. Think about it. To obey is to suffer. It is costly when you become a believer and you hadn't said no to the flesh before, but now in the spirit you begin to say no 
to everything your body, your mind, your heart wants, desires, lusts after, seeks for everything it wants, when you begin in the spirit to say no to the flesh, that is a death. To say no, to turn the other cheek, to bear the fruit of the spirit, to do things that I want to do but I don't now do, all of a sudden, this feels like a death. If walking with Jesus does not at times feel like being crucified, being mortified, gouging out my eye, cutting off my hand so that I will say no to the deeds of the flesh, if I'm not feeling that in the Christian life, then something is wrong. It's not wrong if if obeying feels like being crucified. It's wrong if I am coasting with Jesus and I feel no cross in my life. Then something is wrong with my union. This is suffering as a believer to say no to the flesh and yes to Jesus. We'll suffer when we obey, but ministry feels like a crucifixion. Whether you've chosen vocational ministry or lay ministry, it will feel like a crucifixion. So many of the passages I just read are Paul describing, I will suffer these things so that you, church, will get these benefits and blessings. I will take that on myself. And church, we know this. To give sacrificially, to serve in a hundred ways that go unnoticed, to, to spend time with a friend who only talks about themselves and never asks you about your life, to, to labor to prepare for a growth group or a youth group lesson and teach it, to bring the gospel up with a neighbor and it goes awkwardly and now they think less of you as a believer than they did before you opened your big mouth. All of it is painful. If ministry feels manageable, it's an hour here, it's an hour there, it's a dollar here, it's a dollar there, may the Great Commission go forward. If that feels manageable and painless to you, something is wrong, it should have the feel of a cross to it. The Great Commission will cost the church Dearly, Christian, suffering in obedience and suffering in ministry is not a glitch in my union with Christ. It's not an anomaly or an abnormality. Suffering is union with Christ. Church, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus who made himself nothing and humbled himself by becoming obedient even to death, even to death on a cross. Philippians 3, 2, Jesus' mind has now become our mind. We follow him in his suffering and his dying. That's point one. My union with Christ, I did and I will suffer and die. Number two, in union with Christ, I have and I am rising and ascending with Jesus. I have and I am rising and ascending. We haven't pulled any punches here. There's no fine print here about what it means to follow Jesus. What I love about Cola Prez, every Sunday morning, we have every manner of journey on our spiritual lives. Every single Sunday morning, we have folks here who are unbelievers. 
They don't trust in Jesus yet. And I love that you've shared that journey with us and that you're here to hear this. And some who are baby believers who are still understanding what it is, the full counsel of God and those who have been walking with Jesus forever. And so I love to say and pronounce as clearly as possible, this is what the totality of God's counsel is. This is what it means to follow Jesus. It is suffering. But at this point, I want to know, where does that lead? I mean, where is the suffering and dying going? What's the point? Where is the good? What is God doing? Because from what I just heard, it is all loss in the Christian life. And the answer comes to us in verse 14. He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus. Did you really think that the Christ who redeemed us and gave us every spiritual blessing would leave us behind in the crucified life? That the church would get stuck in Good Friday while Jesus progressed on to Easter Sunday Of course not. Where he went, he brings us. Where he goes, he brings us. That is our union with Jesus. And just like dying with Christ, we were raised in Christ and we will be raised in Christ. Sometimes we hear about it as the past tense. This has already happened. Sometimes we hear about it the future tense. This is going to happen. And so I want to just briefly look at each of those and say, what does it mean that we were raised? What does it mean that we will be raised? Think about our past resurrection. Comes up in places like Romans chapter six. Verse four says, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Verse 11, so consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Our conversion was not just a change in beliefs or a change in religion or a new resolution. It was nothing short of dying and coming back to life as a new person. I cannot overstate the importance here that becoming a believer is not resuscitation, it is resurrection. When Jesus comes to us, he does not hurt the old man of flesh. He does not make it sick. He does not wound it. And then when we come into the church, we dust the old man off and we continue to carry on life as usual. Jesus says, when I come, you are crucified, dead, buried. And the thing that comes out of the grave is a new creation. You are new in Christ, raised in Christ, filled with Christ as a new creation. That's why Paul, when he's angry with the church in Corinth, can deliver one of the most debilitating slants to the church when he says to them, when you argue with each other, y'all are acting like a bunch of human beings. You're acting like the old flesh when you know you have died, got up out of the grave, and the thing we're dealing with is a brand new person, church We were raised with Christ. This is a new creation, a new life that happens in Christ. So there is a past resurrection, and any believer has already experienced that. But in our passage, Paul has an eye to the future resurrection. Even as we've been raised, Paul is still hungry for the resurrection that is to come. And he writes in verse 16... Church, don't lose heart. And why would he write that except that the church is losing heart? That the cruciform life 
begins to add up and the suffering with dying with Jesus begins to weigh heavy on us and we feel the cost of what Christ has called us to and we're starting to lose heart. And he says, don't do it. Don't lose heart. Though the outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. If you are feeling the cost of your faith and the outer wasting away, we're about to talk about the eternal life, but before that, Paul wants to talk about the internal life. Paul wants to say to us that God is having a plan for us even now in this life that come trials and temptations, come the cost of serving other people and putting them first, come crosses and death, come pain and loss. Those things can break down my outer self with pain, but counterintuitively in God's economy, they can only strengthen my inner self. As my outer body wears down in the cruciform life, my spirit renews and grows and strengthens in Jesus himself. And here's the crux of dying and rising in union with Christ. Verse 17, for this light's momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Friend, what feels like dying and being crucified and and being poured out like a drink offering and suffering and limping and carrying around the dead body of Jesus, Paul sums up in this phrase that it is but a light momentary affliction. And I want to say to him, Paul, how dare you? If you walk a mile in my shoes or in this church's shoes and you hear the cruciform life that we have absorbed, you hear the suffering that we have absorbed, you've heard the sickness and the death that we have absorbed in a church body, how dare you call that light and momentary? That seems like the biggest thing on our horizon. And he says, no, it isn't. It isn't. You take that particle of a cruciform dying life in Christ, the sum of what we have experienced and the sum of what we've lost and the sum of the, some of the griefs that we've borne, and you put that on the cosmic scale, and on the other side, you put the triune God himself, resplendent with all majesty, waiting to greet us face to face, And all of a sudden, everything I have ever experienced does feel light and does feel momentary compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus in his suffering, in his death, and in his rising again. Let's pray together. Jesus, hold us. You've called us to suffer. You've called us to die. You've called us to give up so that we might gain. And you know that we're weak. And you know that we're living sacrifices on the altar that get back down and want to do things our way. And so I pray you would hold us in this cruciform life and speak gospel truth to us that you are with us even in loss, 
even as we mortify, even as we give up and suffer so that your name is glorified in our inner selves to the praise of Jesus. We ask in his name, amen.